down on the ice. He's tired after a long day of selling single premium deferred annuities or designing large span roof trusses or calculating the useful lives of general fixed assets. His body is warm. He melts into the ice. Then it closes over him. Maybe it's a miracle, a Christmas miracle. Yeah, right. Or maybe you're fucking crazy. The walls of your home office are the color of walnut shells. That was Beth's favorite joke. I see you're in a brown study, she would say. You can picture her in the doorway, hip cocked against the jam. How many times did you kiss her there? The moose framed on the wall was never amused by her joke. Neither was the otter or the winged blur, you're sure, is a bald eagle. Beth gave you a digital camera for your 34th birthday. You need to repaint your office soon, this spring, when the weather warms up. You sit at the computer and type ice into Google. You read about black ice and snow ice and water ice and large grain ice and small grain ice and cobblestone ice. There is nothing about businessman ice. One of the web pages is put up by an ice boating fan named Steph. She graduated two years ago from the University of Montana and is working as a librarian in Kalispell. She collects erasers and stamps. You stare at pictures of her wedding and her honeymoon. There she is, standing next to her ice boat. She's wearing a tight red jumpsuit and a black helmet with bright red flames. Her husband's name is Steve, and he looks very happy. Steve and Steph. You want to send an email to warn her. About what? Your bed feels very big that night, almost as big as the lake. You are lost in it, and Beth's side is freezing. The next morning, you congratulate yourself for waking up. You have survived the first Christmas. You walk outside to get the Boston Globe. The paper is heavy with ads. Take those presents back, you cheerful fucks, and buy something new. But there is no news. Nothing ever happens on Christmas. For example, businessmen don't get frozen in nice. Back in the house, you hover in the kitchen. You've been hovering a lot lately. You forget what you're doing. Breakfast, that's it. You wake up, get the paper, have breakfast. You shake Raisin Bran into a bowl and scan the sports page. Then you notice that you are pouring orange juice over the cereal. The phone rings. Hello? You hear the whisper of static, but no reply. You say it again. Hello? The phone clicks, and a telemarketer says, I would like to speak to Beth Anstruther. She's not interested. You hang up and put on your skates. Your man is still there, but he has moved. Yesterday, both arms were at his sides. Now he has raised his right hand as if he's waiting to be called on. He has something important to say, something that can't wait until ice out. Or else he's waving goodbye. You get down on your hands and knees. He's about your size, but he's older, balder, deader. The ice here is glossy and strangely transparent, like a lens magnifying the bottom of the lake. You see boulders and rocks and mud. 
dark oak leaves, a pale Budweiser can, the glitter of gold. The ring must have slipped off the man's finger. His blue suit has thin chalk stripes. The Escher tie has come out of the vest, green birds turning into blue fish. His eyes are the same, fixed, frozen. The fingers of his upraised hand are curled. What? The sound of your own voice scares you. You shouldn't be talking to dead people. What if they talk back? You spend the rest of the morning in your living room, staring at the lake. The lake is singing again today, but by noon only moans echo off the hill behind your house. The sky has turned to granite. Last night, weather.com was predicting four to six inches of snow. You convince yourself that you will stop worrying about your man in the ice once the...